Jai Jai Sitchitana Jai Anichananda Jai Adaita Chandra Jaya Gora Bhakta Vinna Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare so yesterday we took up the uh, topic of uh, of sex desire. So uh, I felt that today it was natural to continue with marriage. And uh, well, marriage is such a thing. So uh, let us begin in the uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita. Uh, Antya Lila, chapter 13, text 111. After eight months, when Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu bade farewell to Raghunath Bhatta, the Lord flatly forbade him to marry. Do not marry, the Lord said. Purport. Raghunath Bhattacharya had become a greatly advanced devotee while still unmarried. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could see this, and therefore he advised him not to begin the process of material sense gratification. Marriage is a concession for people who are unable to control their senses. Raghunath, however, being an advanced devotee of Krishna, naturally had no desire for sense gratification. Therefore, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu advised him not to enter the bondage of marriage. Generally, a person cannot make advancement in spiritual consciousness if he's married. He becomes attached to his family and is prone to sense gratification. Thus, his spiritual advancement is very slow or almost nil. Hare Krishna. So, uh, here we find uh, how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructed Raghunath Bhatta Goswami, um, who was the son of Tapan Misra from Varanasi, and uh, originally from East Bengal, Tapan Misra, and then moved to Varanasi on the order of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his son um, Raghunath. He, uh, he was already an advanced devotee, and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu encouraged him to not marry um, and of course we see uh, we see plenty of renunciation in uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement first of all we see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself in the renounced order of life as a sannyasi we see Sarup Damodar Goswami in the renounced order of life we see uh, the six Goswamis taking to uh, quite rigid uh, renunciation, sleeping under different trees every night. Sankhya Purva Gana Namana Pibi Sadatuchavat. They were just uh, living in a very renounced way of life. Chakta Purnamase Samandala Patisri Nim. They were giving up the association of wealthy men. And uh, so in this way, we can understand that the Goswamis were very renounced personalities. Mm. Um, and we see, in other words, renunciation being, uh, being held in high esteem uh, than in the purport. Uh, to Raghunath Bhatta's uh, situation and the instruction he received, we see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, who is uh, uh, so marriage is a concession for people who are unable to control their senses. Yes, so uh, 
that's also a very strong statement. So marriage seems to be a less desirable position. Uh, it brings down, it brings back an, an, an ancient topic about uh, the value of celibacy in spiritual life and being uh, completely detached from from the flesh if one wants to go uh, very deep in, in, in his God consciousness. And we see that in, in the Christian tradition. Um, um, Islam is not so much uh, adhering to that. There, there we see more that marriage is, uh, is, is highlighted, the prophet is married and, and others are married. Marriage is generally uh, held in high esteem, although <clears throat> there were also renunciants. And amongst the Sufi, again, we see renunciants and we see how the Sufis were very instrumental in, uh, in spreading Islam into India. <clears throat> so the fundamental question, one second. <clears throat> the fundamental question in uh, in this matter is the uh, is really the question is it necessary to be detached from uh, from worldly relationships in order to enter into deeper spiritual relationships. And, uh, well, uh, I'd like to uh, comment on that. And, and, and uh, yesterday in the discussion, that topic came out, uh, namely that uh, Krishna consciousness or spiritual consciousness or love of God is, is not dependent on renunciation. Rather, it is dependent on attachment to Krishna. And it is about attachment to Krishna. And it is about uh, simply serving Krishna. And it really doesn't matter whether one is in the household ashram or, or not, and, uh, or in a, in a renounced situation. Um, because one can be in the most renounced situation, but that doesn't mean, uh, that may help to develop detachment from material things, but it doesn't help to develop attachment to Krishna. Attachment, and one can be in a household situation and live in great opulence, but one can have great attachment to Krishna. Um, we can for a moment think of Pundarik Vijanidi, who externally appeared like, a personality in great opulence, very finely dressed and very opulently dressed and served and enjoying uh, pan and enjoying great comforts. And uh, he, Nigadada, had the impression that Pundarik was a Visayi, a person who was attached to sense enjoyment. But Mukunda, who knew him well and who knew, uh, who knew Pundarik Vijanidi's particular bhav, his particular mood, he sang a song. Uh, he sang the song about Putana and explaining how Putana somehow or other uh, obtained the mercy, uh, the mercy of Krishna, although she came with the intention to kill him. She was elevated to become his mother in the spiritual world. And when Punarik Vijanidi heard that, that touched him so deeply because of his deep love for Krishna. And then he threw himself on the ground and rolled and messed up his whole clothes and this and that. And uh, Punarik Vijanidi, in other words, his transcendental love became revealed. And it shows that that was much stronger than all these externals. Um, the impersonalist who is dealing with the sense objects and he has no higher objective. His transcendental uh, goal is freedom from material attachment. Uh, 
But the, uh, the goal of the devotee is to develop attachment to Krishna. Therefore, even sexual activity um, is no impediment in developing attachment to Krishna as long as that is done <coughs> according to religious principles. Um, and that is also interesting. Um, then for the uh, for the spiritual practitioner who is trying to attain love of God, um, the renounced position in itself is not particularly helpful in attaining that love of God. The only thing that the renounced position does is it it does allow uh, more time and and focus, uh, more opportunity to focus, less distraction. Um, it allows a person to be full-time engaged in the service of the Lord. Um, but the, the Grihasta Ashram is no, uh, is no obstruction. We see how Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur was seriously involved in the Grihasta Ashram, so many children, uh, and, and married, and a mother to take care of, so many things. And yet we see that um, Srila Gorkasur Das Babaji, who was extremely renounced, right, who would, uh, virtually speaking, uh, be chanting and chanting and wouldn't even bother to stop when he was hungry and would just eat some, sit on the bank of the Ganga and eat a little clay just to satisfy his stomach. Uh, so that, and then carry on chanting. And in this way, we see how Gorkasurdas Babaji was extremely renounced, extremely. And yet, um, he would hear from Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, who, as we, as we, when we observe it closer, was actually also quite renounced, because it is said that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur would come home at around five o'clock uh, after working as the court magistrate and then he would uh, would eat something and uh, and then shortly after that take rest and uh, and then he would rise at 11 o'clock in the evening not in the morning and uh, he would uh, he would just uh, then spend the whole night absorbed in study and writing and analyzing scripture. And it is there where he, uh, it shows in, in the fact that he produced uh, about 100 books. And, uh, and these books are very broad and, caught, and capture a wide range of topic, all relating to Krishna consciousness. And, he, um, and, and from the very analytical range to the... Uh, to very devotional songs and so on. So uh, that is uh, that is there. And so Siddha Bhaktivinoda Thakur is an example of, of a householder who, uh, who reached the topmost levels. Um, if we go back to the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we have, of course, Advaita Acharya. Now Advaita Acharya is Vishnu Tattva. Uh, and as such, he is a uh, is not an ordinary living being. Um, so he is a transcendental personality. Um, so we might say, well, Advaita Acharya is not an, a role model in that sense. All right, then we can look at Srivast Thakur, who was. Uh, who is representing the Jiva Tattva and Srivas, of course, is the, uh, is the householder, uh, the most very transcendental householder, who is just worshipping the Lord and having kirtan in his house at night and pujas in the day and just, just goes on and on worshipping the Lord and, and, and material things like 
like business is something he doesn't entertain and uh, we don't know where sleep fit in in his life uh, and and so on but somehow or other uh, his household was totally centered around krishna mm. so uh, marriage then is is a sacred institution um, marriage in is is uh, is a sacred vow which is meant to be taken for uh, for life. Um, um, divorce is is not uh, really a um, it's not really meant to be um, in the Vedic model. Uh, husband and wife are meant to stay together. Um, it is said just like uh, like uh, the fight of two goats in the morning, right? Uh, sometimes a husband and wife may have a disagreement, uh, but if one just claps like that, the two goats they they wander off, and in the same way, uh, the uh, the difference between a husband and wife in Vedic culture was not taken uh, very seriously because no matter what, they were together. Um, um, okay, the modern world may be, may be different, but we're looking at uh, now not so much as uh, Vedic culture as belonging to a certain time and modern culture belonging to another time. We're more looking at like spiritual culture. And Vedic culture is, is an attempt to create a spiritual culture, uh, uh, a culture where spirituality is in the center of the culture, uh, whereas our current, uh, current culture is obviously different. Spirituality is there, but the center is, is, is sense enjoyment. And everything else serves that purpose. Um, yes. Um, so we see then marriage in a in a totally different light. We see marriage as as a facility, as an ashram, as a shelter, as a facility to uh, to um, to make spiritual advancement. Um, and we see marriage as a uh, yeah, as an opportunity um, to create a very sacred atmosphere, fully dedicated to Krishna. And then uh, when children can grow up in that atmosphere, they can uh, develop their devotional life from uh, early on, and in this way, strengthen society at large. Right. And uh, that's the foundation of, uh, of a Vedic culture. And uh, so marriage is, is all over the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Um, renunciance uh, did play a part. And we see that, that several devotees uh, developed a desire to renounce. Uh, uh, not that rather than putting renunciation in the foreground, the renunciation followed the attachment to Krishna. As one's attachment to Krishna uh, is increasing, then one might think, why bother with all these other things? Uh, is it worth it? Having so much material facility, so much material expansion, at, at a price of giving so much, so much time and energy to maintaining it. Why not simplifying and just live more simple and spend more time, more time just simply glorifying Krishna? Yes. So then the renunciation follows. Vairagya vijjanitya bhakti yogam. It is said that vairagya is is an essential element of the 
of the movement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And that is true. Um, so it is true that even that, that those householders who are taking up Krishna consciousness um, may begin to think like that, even if it is not so drastic that they just uh, move to the forest, but maybe their mentality changes a little and, and they begin to look at like, um, how can I carve more space for Krishna out of my life? Srila um, Prabhupada said that life is like hardwood and one has to carve Krishna out of it. Yeah. So I thought that this is a nice statement, uh, also quite relevant to our, uh, our, our discussion. Okay, I, uh, I want to go a little bit to the Chaitanya Charitamrita and I'll just open up our search program and I'll just type in the word marriage and it will not show up so many times, but uh, we will just see a little bit what we have. Krishna, of course, um, Krishna, of course, is, is not bound to the limitations of Varna Ashram. Although we see that even um, in Krishna's pastimes, marriage is, is playing a role. Huh? Uh, the Grihasta Ashram is one of the four ashrams of Varna Ashram. And Krishna himself also marries. It says here, uh, when the personality of God expands himself in many forms, all non-different in their features, as Lord Krishna did when he married 16,000 queens and when, he was and when he performed his residence, such forms of the Lord are called manifested forms. Yes, yeah, so this is Adi Lila 1, 69 and 70. Uh, so Lord Krishna, uh, when he marries, he, uh, he does it as the Supreme Personality of Godhead and, and expands himself into 16,000 forms. Uh, and in that way, uh, does the, uh, yeah, does what is, is not possible for any other mortal living being. So it's interesting that Dwarka is the spiritual world and that even, even in Dwarka, Krishna is married um, and that he is... Uh, in Vrindavan, we see that there is Parakya Ras, the, the Ras in Dwarka, the marital relationship is known as Swakya Ras and Vrindavan is Parakya Ras or the paramour relationship which exists between Krishna and the gopis. Obviously, when uh, marriage is an institution of vows, and this institution of the vows where husband and wife commit to be together is creating um, obligations. Um, the ceremony where vows are spoken is creating certain obligations. And then with these obligations, uh, yeah, they, they remain, they, they keep on standing. And um, generally the ceremony is uh, celebrated with great pomp. And then uh, the vows are there and one tries to, uh, to embrace them and make it work. Um, and in this way, embrace the path of Dharma. Now, <clears throat> so yesterday I spoke about that in, in relation to uh, uh, the mode of goodness. Uh, Varnashram is particularly uh, designed to create a society that goes uh, towards the mode of goodness. Not that every member is in the mode of goodness, but it is a society where the mode of goodness is 
is ruling, right? And the other modes, the modes, lower modes of nature, which exist in sudras and vaishas and even exatras to an extent, they are all controlled by a strong uh, Brahminical culture around it. Um, fine. That is the uh, culture of the mode of goodness. And that is, uh, and marriage really belongs in that, in that realm. Um, um, mar relationships between men and women then outside of marriage are illicit and are condemned in this world. Um, uh, but then we see that Krishna being transcendental uh, has, uh, has a different standard. He is not measuring his activities by, uh, by the ways of the world. The ways of the world are governed by dharma, by prescribed rules. <coughs> Sometimes I'm using the example of, uh, of just social etiquette and being polite, right? And, uh, and I remember as a child witnessing family members coming to our home and then you got these exchanges oh oh how nice to see you oh what a surprise that you just came oh do come in wonderful wonderful please sit down would you have to and and you see some hypocrisy there you'd see behind it or even here you know back in the kitchen god you know they just always rock up just around dinner time, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, oh, yes, please have something to drink. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, <clears throat> yes, we have an appointment. We have to go out this evening, right? So some sort of polite way to, uh, to get rid of them. So politeness, uh, I saw, oftentimes had an element of hypocrisy in it. And, but that is the very, but the very purpose of politeness is to uh, control uh, speech by some social etiquette. Because if everyone would just say what they think, you know, then we would say, "My God, what an ugly nose!" Right? Or you know what I mean? That's stupid. Or you know, or whatever we would say, uh, we would offend people. Uh, hundreds of times a day, and it would not be so easy to uh, to uh, to keep relationships. So politeness is there, but there is an element of falsity there, of facade, and of just uh, <clears throat> acting sweet in a particular way. And there's a hidden thing in the back, um, because in the material world. Um, by nature, we are impure, and therefore by nature, uh, we, might, uh, we might not have deep loving exchanges. So they need to be governed by etiquette. So in the same way, prescribed duty, dharma, keeps us on a spiritual path. But if we would have no dharma, we would just go off the path. So marriage also in that context. But in the spiritual uh, realm, <clears throat> Krishna, uh, when Krishna is marrying, it is uh, in, the, in, in Dwarka, in the spiritual Dwarka, it is simply for his own enjoyment. For his enjoyment, he is marrying so many queens and then such a variety of enjoyment. When Krishna is here in Dwarkadam in the material world, then his marriage also uh, suits a, uh, a purpose. Um, in the Bhagavatam, in the 10th canto, there is a chapter uh, which describes the daily activities of Krishna, chapter 70. And then we see Krishna acting like a perfect householder, uh, first doing auspicious things in the morning, seeing auspicious things, giving in charity to the brahmanas and, and so on. And Krishna and, and doing some, some, some spiritual sadhana and all these things Krishna is doing as, as, a, as a householder. So there he's again teaching Dharma. But in his eternal pastimes, Krishna is not 
teaching Dharma, his pastimes in the spiritual world. Parakya uh, Ras then, in the spiritual world, things are not governed by such mundane considerations like etiquette, like Dharma, like uh, by time, space, thought. In the spiritual world, things are governed by Ras, by loving relationships. It's love that is governing the uh, exchanges. And therefore, in the Swakya Ras, in the marriage relationship, because there are obligations, um, it is love, love mixed with obligation. Uh, why are you serving me? Out of love or out of obligation? Because you have, by your marriage vow, why? Um, so we can see that the Swakya can mix, can create mixed motivation of serving out of love and serving out of obligation. But in the parakya, in the paramo relationship, well, no obligation. I'm with you because I want to be. But I have to have a reason why I want to be. So you will have to conquer me, right? That is the parakya. So it is based on that, uh, that element of always, again and again, conquering the paramour. Uh, and that makes that relationship deeper. That makes that relationship more, uh, more dedicated. That is why in Vrindavan, in, uh, Krishna is not married. Uh, somewhere on another level, Radha and Krishna are also married, to make it even more complicated. They also, there has been some ceremony with Lord Brahma where they are married, but, uh, but ultimately, their past, in their past times, generally speaking, it's just parakiras. Um, there is that paramour relationship, the forbidden relationship, stolen moments, stolen time, uh, just no, uh, not meant to be seen together, but somewhere meeting in a secret place. If no one is around to disturb that meeting, nothing for granted. Although the meeting place is fixed, the time is, is fixed, you never know. Uh, because there happens to be, Radharani is married to Abhimanyu and her mother-in-law is a terror, Jyotila. Jyotila is just always assisted by her daughter, Kotila. Uh, they are always, always on the lookout. Then we see descriptions how around Radha Kund there are different kunjas that are maintained by the Astasakis, different groves. And then there, Radha and Krishna are in these groves having meeting places. And we see that um, they are going in disguise. For example, it is said that Champakalata maintains a garden, a grove, where there's a throne and a seating place. And in that place, everything is golden. And then, um, and the throne is golden, the backdrop is golden, and then Radharani comes in a golden dress, right? And, and it's and, and on, a, on a full moon night, and she sits on the golden throne, and next to Krishna, who's clearly visible because of his dark bluish complexion, but Radharani sort of merges into the background. And, you know, you, you have to blink your eyes to see like, huh? Is that the divine couple? Or is that just Krishna by himself? So, in this way, stolen in Parakiras. Um, all right, that was that was on the level of Krishna. Now, on on our level, um, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we see many descriptions 
of married devotees and amongst the associates of Lord Chaitanya, uh, we see that bhakti is practiced in different levels. There is sadhana bhakti, bhava bhakti, and prema bhakti, or devotional service in practice, devotional service in ecstasy, and devotional service in pure love. Now we see that many of the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are practicing in pure love. And for devotees in pure love, the externals have absolutely nothing to do with, uh, with reality. Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself said, Naham Naham Katirva Kintu He said that uh, I'm not anything in Varna Ashram, not a sannyasi or or any any anything in Varna Ashram. I'm just a servant of the servant of the gopis. So transcendental to Varna Ashram. So the prema bhaktas are all transcendental to Varna Ashram, and their external dress really does not matter. Huh? <clears throat> it does not matter. Um, we see other devotees, right? We see sadhakas. We see devotees who are uh, maybe practicing, maybe evolving in their devotional service and gradually uh, advancing in Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement. And uh, in that case, what about the household ashram? Well, in sadhana bhakti, the household ashram is fine, but uh, it's not an impediment. But having said that, one has to be sure that, the, uh, that there is adequate weight on the spiritual side of the scale. Uh, the emphasis in, in life should really be on Krishna consciousness. And not that Krishna consciousness becomes like an addendum, something that's also there. Now, of course, for many of us, Krishna consciousness appears in the middle of our life, and then it's suddenly there. So gradually, Krishna consciousness may adjust our life to an extent. Uh, and maybe uh, instead of, uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, taking on more and more work, we may simplify things a little so that we can do more and more service. Uh, of course, the essence is not about where we are separating work, mundane work and devotional service, and we can make a clear heart separation there because the Bhagavad Gita also says karmani evadikaras te mafalesu karmani which points out that um, it is about we are not speaking out against work we're speaking out against enjoying the fruits of the work the fruits of the work have to be offered to Krishna so if we work in a mundane world, but if that is, if the fruits of that work are there to, to maintain a Krishna conscious world, then that is no impediment. Um, then that work also is purified. And if within that we keep principles of purity, um, then we, we are not barred from developing our love of God and for attracting the mercy of Krishna. Uh, <clears throat> as far as uh, the goal of spiritual life, the goal of spiritual life is described in Chaitanya Charitamrita as Premapumarta Mahan, uh, that the goal of the human form of life is to develop, develop love of God. Um, Srila Prabhupada has particularly emphasized going back to Godhead, back to the spiritual world, going back to home as, uh, as the goal. <clears throat> the two of them are not contradictory. Uh, rather, they are uh, 
one and the same. Because if one develops love of God, then uh, surely, um, then surely one will become very dear to Krishna. And then surely, deep down in the heart, one will have a desire to be with Krishna. So a devotee who is in love of God, sooner or later will go back to God, uh, back to the spiritual world, just because the devotee, deep down in the heart, desires to be with Krishna, and Krishna will surely take that devotee back. Even if the devotee uh, says, let me serve here life after life in the material world, just as your servant, Krishna will still take that devotee back in due course of time, because it is, after all, in the heart of hearts, a devotee desires to be with Krishna. Um, that is one point. So the Prema Bhakta, if one gets Krishna Prem in this world, one go back to, will go back to Godhead also in due course of time. If one does not develop Krishna Prem yet, but if at the same time one has given his whole life to satisfy Krishna, then we should not forget that there is that we're dealing with Sri Krishna Chaitanya, that we're dealing with the most merciful manifestation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And that even if we're not cent percent perfect, if when Krishna is pleased with our endeavor, then he may take us back to the spiritual world and then love of God will be automatically manifest because everyone there has love of God. Um, um, <clears throat> sometimes we find in the 10th canto of Bhagavatam we find a description of Krishna calling the gopis with his flute and they all come in the dead of night but there are some gopis who are not able to come because they're checked by their family members all the gopis, the other gopis they drop everything and just go but some are held back by force and it said those gopis that are held back by force were some who were not completely pure yet. But in the, in the intense separation of being held back and having such a desire to go, they burned up their last uh, desires. Um, and they also became equally pure as the other Nietzsche Siddha devotees, eternally perfect devotees. So, the Sadhana Siddha devotees and the Nietzsche Siddha devotees came together in Krishna's pastimes. Then the Sadhana Siddhas were also being purified. So sometimes it's said that one would take one life in the pastimes with Krishna. Yes, it, it, it may be like that, but it also may not be like that. Uh, by the intervention of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, one might also just go straight back to the spiritual world with love of God and by the prayer of the pure devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu um, who can invoke that kind of mercy of the Lord. So therefore, uh, the essence, um, the essence is to, in whatever ashram we are, um, that we are meant, that we are meant to dedicate all our energy in service of Krishna. Pranir Arta Sada. That should offer all our prana, all our energy, all our possessions, all our intelligence, and all our words to the service of the Lord. And so, and the householder he has the same, uh, has the same instruction to live with as, as the renunciant. Pranir Artadiyavacha should all be offered to Krishna. One's energy, one's possession, one's intelligence, and one's words. That's the ideal, right? So now I've sketched the ideal. Then this practical reality. Well, what can we say? Uh, then things are not going according to the book, right? Then, uh, yeah, uh, Four regulated principles sometimes turn into three or three and a half or whatever. Uh, and and uh, divorce, what can be done? It, it's not so easy to... Uh, it, it, it can happen. Um, it can happen. There can be abuse. There can be all kinds of reasons why such things 
do happen. And uh, so whenever we are not able to rise to the perfect model, uh, then what can we do? Uh, then we just do the best we can and carry on on the path of purification. And in due course of time, we may advance and we may anyway get the full mercy of Krishna. So even if things are not going perfect, um, we carry on. We carry on uh, to any extent. Um, nowadays, uh, one topic that is coming up uh, is that marriage is not only uh, is not only between a man and a woman, but now there's also same-sex marriage. So what to do with that? Right. Um, yesterday we were talking about uh, Kamadev, and we may remember that uh, we were reading from the Shiva Purana and that we were discussing from the Shiva Purana how uh, Lord Brahma created various sons of his mind. And as he has created different sons from his mind, these were all great sages and, and Pajapatis, uh, great personalities who were meant to populate the universe. Uh, anyway, Lord Brahma um, Lord Brahma, then, as Lord Brahma creates, he creates from his mind in meditation. He, he sort of think, thinks things into being. Right? From, he has that power that he can create from the mind. So, as Lord Brahma was creating, then from his mind came, came Sandhya. And Sandhya is the twilight, the evening. And she came from his mind and was very beautiful, a very beautiful female form. And then immediately after that, Kamadev appeared, a handsome young form and this and that, male. And Kamadev uh, was immediately influencing everyone and shoot, had his arrows and his sugar cane, flower arrows and sugar cane bow and shooting uh, lusty desires into the heart of all the, or amorous desires into the hearts of all. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, and we see then, uh, we see that Sandhya uh, was, uh, also plays a role. And in the Bhagavatam, there's a particular uh, point where Lord Brahma has in, in the process of creation has to provide for all the living beings. So he's creating according to a blueprint which Krishna reveals within. And he has to not only um, create processes or living beings that contribute to spiritual elevation, but he also has to uh, provide for influences of nescience, of forgetfulness. And so Lord Brahma also created the, uh, the asuras, the um, creatures who were not uh, religiously inclined and not God conscious, and who were inclined to enjoying the senses. And when Lord Brahma created these personalities, they immediately developed a, a sexual appetite to enjoy uh, the body of Lord Brahma. So Lord Brahma felt uh, very uncomfortable, and it's described he ran away. And, and he arranged then that Sandhya, in that form of that very amazingly attractive woman, walked past. And then these personalities became distracted and ran after her instead, and Lord Brahma was, uh, was saved. So uh, the Vedic literature, in its original, uh, okay, in, in the descriptions of uh, same-sex marriage, is, is, 
is not looking upon on such relationships as leading to enlightenment. Um, such relationships may uh, lead to the expression of desires to enjoy and facilitate, and such a marriage would facilitate the desire for enjoyment and shelter in this world. Um, but in the, in the spiritual culture of elevation, same-sex marriages are not recommended. Um, and why not? Um, well, we see that, that the marriage between a man and a woman is uh, the center of it in Vedic culture is, uh, is the Garbhadana Sanskar, which links sexuality not to sense enjoyment, but it links it to having children. And when there is such a thing, it's very interesting because the lust between a man and a woman then uh, translates into a child. So here's love mixed with lust, and it all translates uh, into a child. And then that child immediately transforms that lust into sacrifice. The next moment, uh, uh, there is that child to take care of. And suddenly, uh, that becomes the focus. And lust <coughs> is... Uh, is, is pushed towards the background and sacrifice comes to the foreground. So that is a dynamic which is favorable for spiritual life. And that is missing in same-sex marriages since they are not leading to children. Um, and, uh, and therefore, that in itself is, is, is not recommended in in the spiritual culture of the Vedas, or the culture of spiritual elevation of the Vedas. Um, um, does that mean that when there are people <coughs> who are already, already like that, who have that orientation, and who are uh, either in such a relationship, or even in, in such a same-sex marriage, that they are barred from spiritual life. No, they're not barred from spiritual life. They can practice spiritual life, but uh, it, it, it may be that their, um, that marriage relationship is a problem because it, says it will increase lusty desires. There is no built-in mechanism to diminish lusty desires. And the aim of, of marriage in the Vedic culture, in spiritual culture, is to diminish lusty desires and to ultimately rise above lusty, lusty desires. And then, panchachordam vanam varajet, at the age of 50, uh, give up sex, no more sex between husband and wife, no more sex, then fully concentrate on spiritual life, fully concentrate on cultivating one's uh, spiritual practices and on toning down and minimizing, etc. Now, if someone starts late with spiritual life and he is uh, 49 years old and 11 months when he encounters Krishna consciousness and just starts, uh, it may not happen that on the first 50th birthday is the day uh, to tone things down and to, um, it may take some time. That's because we are not starting from, uh, from the beginning of life. Uh, but in a proper culture, where one starts from, uh, from early life on, with spiritual life, then at the age of 50, <clears throat> this is certainly recommended. And even now, huh, for those who start later, it's something to think about. Uh, marriage in the Vedic 
system of Varna Ashram, <clears throat> one can stay a brahmachari his whole life. Once one has taken Vanaprastha, one can stay there until, until death. In the Sanyasa Ashram, one can stay until death. But it's not recommended to stay in the Grihastha Ashram till death. Um, at the age of 50, one is meant to enter into the Vanaprastha Ashram. Now, Vanaprastha means can be done in different ways. Huh? It can be that husband and wife go together, perform austerity, visit holy places, and uh, but no sexual activities, and uh, and in this and remain together until until death. It can be that they do this for some time together, performing austerities together, going on pilgrimages, or living in holy places. And that, then in due course of time, they separate, and that the lady returns to the family, and that the husband takes sannyas. Um, uh, it can, so whether they may stay together, or whether they separate, that is another matter. Uh, that is an individual choice. So Vanaprastha allows for a tailor-made solution so that it will work. Not that it is like Vanaprastha means you're 50 and now you have to leave home. You're like, leave home? Uh, I'm comfortable here. How can I go? Uh, who will cook for me? I'm like getting older. And it's like, you know, I'm 50, ouch. And like, you know, uh, go to the forest, you know, I mean, I mean, really, you know, give me a break. I mean, when I was young, I didn't mind sleep camping in the forest, but now, now I need a, uh, my comfort, you know, I'm a little older. Uh, I'm not going to sleep in the forest. Yes, uh, that may be. Um, so whatever is possible. Um, these days we have become so estranged from, from, nat from natural life that the forest is far remote from our everyday life. And, uh, and, and, and we don't know how to deal with the forest any longer. Uh, so that may be complicated. But uh, whatever it may be, we can go to a holy place and stay in a simple dwelling and in this way practice our, our Vanaprastha ashram, um, an ashram which is not centered around expanding family life, uh, not even centered around sexual activities for conceiving children. Um, no. No more children, no more sexual activity. Vanaprastha, just simply focusing on Krishna. Uh, so in this way, we see that spiritual culture of the uh, of Varna Ashram uh, leading us up, which in Sadhana Bhakti, <clears throat> when devotional service performed in practice, goes hand in hand with the performance of our direct spiritual activities. Um, chanting Hare Krishna, reading Srimad Bhagavatam, the, the different aspects of devotional service are performed together with the activities of Varna Ashram. The activities of Varna Ashram create a, found, uh, a spiritual support, uh, no, a material support structure for the spiritual practices um, to be performed strongly and regularly. That is um, the way that works. Um, so we remain within an ashram. Now that I'm on this topic, you have a class of men, they are, or, or women, they are devotees, but they are not fitting in a particular ashram. Uh, 
They're not in a brahmachari program. They're not in a grihastha program. Um, we got the, the bachelors. Right? So bachelors uh, are in the, in the Vedic uh, context, a bachelor lives outside in a house, works in a job, but just is not married. In the, in the Vedic classification, they would count a bachelor as a grihasta, as a householder, and say he, he's a grihasta, if, if talking about from a male perspective, he's a man without a wife, right? Or a woman without a husband, yes. So a man without a wife is also a grihasta, yes, in the Vedic concept. Bachelor then is not really an ashram, it's not really an ideal position. Uh, it's better to choose an ashram and to be situated in the ashram. Uh, so in that way, um, bachelor is oftentimes uh, a position where we want some, we want independence, we want more, more material comfort, we, uh, but we do not want the headache of, of married life. Uh, but just uh, to avoid married life by avoiding the headache is also not ideal. Uh, better than avoid married life and just go deep into spiritual cultivation and forget interaction with the material world. Now, that's easier said than done. And uh, again, in a, in a society where from early life on one goes through the various... Uh, varnas and ashrams, it may be more easy to apply uh, when Krishna consciousness and of spirit, a combination of spiritual practices and a system of varna ashram uh, suddenly enter our life, uh, you know, when we are already midstream um, and we're already well on the way, then it's more complicated. And then for many devotees uh, to function from a bachelor position may still be the best position. Uh, so in this way, we can, when we look at these systems, we should not try to rigidly impose them upon society. When Varna Ashram is imposed with rigidity, it becomes a disservice. Um, we should not forget Rupa Goswami's statement, Vaidiki Lokiki Vapuyat Kriya Kriya Temune, that whether it is Vedic, that means Varna Ashram, or not Vedic, what mundane, that means maybe in our example, the bachelor position, whatever works, whatever is favorable for devotional service. So we want all bachelors who are happy bachelors and are happily practicing Krishna consciousness as bachelors, carry on uh, happily. We, we welcome all those who are somehow or other not part of the system. I've described the system, even if we're not part of that system, and if a part of a modern way of life, even same-sex marriages or whatever, um, one can practice devotional service. Although it may not be the ideal situation to practice, and in some ways may be uh, adding fuel to fire, uh, that means fuel to our material entanglement, um, still uh, one can engage in devotional service and get the eternal benefit. Um, so in that sense, and everyone should understand uh, that life is meant for uh, for more than just trying to enjoy our life in this world. Uh, life is meant for rekindling, reestablishing our relationship with the Supreme Lord. And that is in the forefront. Uh, and let that be the most important thing in life. And then all the other things are also there. Uh, also there. We need to live somewhere. Yeah, we need to be with someone. And this and that and da -di -di -da, -di -di da uh and before you know it there are many children and before you know it 
there are many bills, and before you know it, there's no more time, and before you know it, your beard is growing gray, and before you know it, you uh, time will take you away. And um, why did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and these are my closing words, why did Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tell Raghunath Bhattaka Swami not to get married? Um, because Raghunath Bhatta did not really need it. He did not need to um, get that emotional support from a relationship with the opposite sex because he was getting his emotional inspiration in the relationship with Krishna. And saying then, why get so involved with the material energy and all the distraction that it brings? Then better, just be with Krishna. So in this way, the Chaitanya Charitamrita, when speaking about such matters, is not harsh. It's not harshly imposing upon us uh, a rigid model, varnashram, uh, 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 there is room, there is room uh, to somehow or other be who we are and begin from where we are and try to become pure devotees of the Lord. And at the stage of pure devotional service, who cares about sex? Who cares about these mundane things? Admendriya priti vanchatarabolikam krishnendri priti premanam. By serving our own senses that we call lust, serving the senses of Krishna that we call love. So in this way, um, the pure devotee operates on love and has no interest in lust. And so life continues on the spiritual platform. Thank you very much. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai Hare Krishna.